Welcome to Parent Driven Development. My name is Allison. Uh, I'm the mom of an almost three year old boy and a girl on the way. And I'm here with my friend Andy. Hello, I'm Andy. I'm all the way from Brighton in the UK. I have four and nearly five year old twins, um, boy and a girl. Um, and I'm here with my friend Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah. I have a almost eight year old daughter and a four year old daughter. And I'm here with my co-host, Josh. Hi, I'm Josh. Uh, I am the father of a lovely 10-year-old daughter named Evelyn. And I'm here with my friend, Mandy. Hi, everybody. I'm Mandy Moore, and I am the single mom of a beautiful little 8-year-old angel or devil. Depends on the day. And I'm here with Johnny. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Johnny Austin. Uh, I'm the father of a 10-year-old boy and also a three-year-old boy. And I'm here with my friend, Catherine. Hey, uh, I am Kwu. It's short for Catherine Wu. Uh, I am a new mom to a five-month-old chunky baby boy named Nico. And I'm here with my friend, JC. Thank you, Kwu. I'm JC. I am the father of four children, ranging from 17 years old to eight years old. The three older ones are boys, and then I have a daughter. Uh, And uh, I'm here with my good friend, Chris. Hey, everybody. I'm Christopher Sexton. I have two kids, an 11-year-old girl and a nine-year-old boy. And um, welcome to the podcast. So I'm Allison McMillan. I live um, in Washington, D.C. I've been here for for a number of years. Um, I have a very uh, energetic, almost three-year-old who asks, what's that and why about a thousand times a day? And I told myself before I was a parent that I was really going to be that mom that answered all my kids' questions. You know, I was going to be really patient. And no matter how many times I a- they asked why, I'd always explain to them, I'd always get that why. And I find myself sometimes just wanting to say, because, kid, just because. And I have a little girl on the way who is due at the end of February. Your little boy sounds like an engineer to me. <laughs> He does call himself a little engineer sometimes. He can open up all of the childproof gates in our house, which makes them basically totally worthless. Why we still have them even up is really a question. He even figured out there are uh, most gates, there are sort of like additional tips and tricks that you can do to make them extra childproof. So one, for example, has like little feet that you can push down on the bottom, but he realized that you can just take that foot part out and then you can just open the gate. That's the child that I live with. It's it sounds apparent. like you need some more psychological barriers. <laughs> you know, they say you hey, make a child-proof uh, barrier and somebody will make a better child. So good job. <laughs> Allison, have you ever seen The Village? It's a great movie with some tips that might, you know, help instill a fear of the outdoors. When you <laughs> we did recently add a chain to our front door because he, um, he knows how to, like, unlock and open the front door. And in the mornings, it's just he and myself. My husband goes to work earlier, and so I, I do uh, preschool drop-off every day. And I was always like, you know, when once he learned how to open the door, I sort of lived in fear that I would fall back asleep, you know, while he was playing in the morning. And he would, I would, like, wake up, and he would be, you know, at a neighbor's house or something. <laughs> and that is not an irrational fear. That would <laughs> probably happen. So it's a good thing you got that chain, that's for sure. For the asking questions thing... I found uh, Alexa or Siri or Google to be really, really helpful for (laughs) lots and lots of questions. So there's a tip. 
my daughter thinks she's eight going on 16. So this summer I got a little bit lazy, AKA tired and slept in a couple of mornings. And I'd wake up to a note beside my table saying, I'm outside at the neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) I have also received that note. I'm like, wow, like you're eight. Come on. Your 11 year old will just add it to the calendar on the phone. (laughs) like well it was obviously on the calendar it's okay on the bright side she did leave you a note Uh, my daughter's left before without leaving a note or taking her phone or anything and that's you know then i'm in manhunt mode driving around the neighborhood peeking around the wheel just desperately searching for every lifetime movie i've ever seen playing through my head (laughs) it is terrifying to me like that's just like oh it gives me heart palpitations (laughs) yeah Hi, I'm Andy. Uh, I am mostly a Ruby Rails developer. I do a bit of conferencing as well, conference speaking, conference organizing. Um, and I have five-year-old, nearly, twins. Um, both just started school, so we have letters and phonics, which is how they teach kids to spell and stuff in the UK now. They are a mixture of delightful and horrifying on a daily basis. The <laughs> like first 18 children. months of twins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The first 18 months was completely brutal. I've worked from home the whole time they've been around. Oh my um, and my God. wife has as well. We've used nursery. We've had nannies. Obviously, they're now at school, so that's six hours taken care of by the state. So hooray for that. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. After having a baby, I'm like, every day is broken down into these chunks of just like, okay, how are we going to survive these next few hours? No, absolutely. <laughs> like my, my window of focus is so narrowed. <laughs> it's not so bad anymore, though. I mean, and the twins thing is better now because they kind of play with each other. They're only able to enact similar levels of physical violence on each other. Yeah, I mean, it's easier now. But I remember, like, you, they wake up from a nap at, like, half one. And then you'd go, but I have, like, five hours remaining. What am I going to do with them? <laughs> what will I show them that they will find interesting? It's another thing where now that I've had to like be in charge of a kid for you know a significant amount of time, which hasn't happened. I was never a babysitter or anything. And so having had an infant has been so educational in terms of like, I'm just automatically impressed by people who have parented multiples in those early weeks. I was like, if we have a three adult to one baby ratio, that felt manageable. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were totally outnumbered two on two most of the time. <laughs> you should get to add that as like a resume point for project management skills. Absolutely. Like. That, that, you actually basically led a small uh, team <laughs> of babies. Yeah. Just led a small team. <laughs> 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 It's so medium you, levels of success. And they're slightly more manageable than engineers. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the babies, at least when they don't get their way, you know, they cry and it's over. They don't, you know, plot against you for weeks on end. I don't know. Speak for yourself. Okay. I feel like my child plots though. against me on a fairly yeah. regular basis. <laughs> Mine definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> that comes later, right? That's like, that's when they're, you know, senior baby. Baby level yeah. two. <laughs> Senior baby. My four-year-old is the, the one that plots. And, the, and their ability to plot keeps getting worse as they get older and more experienced. Yeah. Ter- terrifying. Yeah, at least when they're little, you can see it on their face when they're plotting. <laughs> and they can't help but, like, sometimes our, our son will hide and we'll be like, you know, we'll be like, where's Devin? And he'll go, i hiding. <laughs> he just, like, can't help but, like, respond. <laughs> So, it's cute you know. then, but wait till they get good at it. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's why it's good now when he's little because he like, you know, 
he responds and it's like, okay, I know exactly where you are. But yeah, when he gets older and is actually quiet, yeah. That's what GPS is for. <laughs> tag him. Tag him all. <laughs> I remember being a kid and my mom being like, I have a bug on you. And I'm thinking, those don't exist. And now they do. <laughs> My name is Sarah Olson. I'm an iOS developer. I work remote from the Twin Cities for Trello. Uh, my almost eight-year-old is a gymnast. She does 12 hours of gymnastics a week already, which is kind of terrifying. Um, she's doing like the Junior Olympic track, like training to do competitions next year. And it's a whole new world of things that my husband and I know nothing about, but she really enjoys it. What level is she? She's like the training team. So next year, she'll actually be on a level. The gym we're at like moves them up really slow, but they really focus on like really great technique and getting the basics down, which I really like. And she's kind of like a shy kid, so we're not really sure how she's going to do with like competitions. So we're waiting to see how that goes, but kind of We've been very her. happy with it. And yeah. I'll, I'll talk about it because that's the main thing about my daughter. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I, I find it's been a big asset for her. Well, I think yeah. Next, I mean, then. Should we form a Parents of Gymnast podcast? Because mine's a gymnast <laughs> too. <laughs> I think we have. <laughs> now all the other kids have to go into gymnastics too. <laughs> yeah. Does wrestling count? <laughs> sure. You know, like the hardest thing I have with it is that like she doesn't have time for anything else. So like we want to do like piano lessons and we want to do arts or music or things. And it's just like, like, where would this kid have time? Like she gets home from school, immediately goes to gymnastics. She has to do her homework in the car and then she gets home and she has to eat dinner and go right to bed. And that's three nights a week. So like she's seven right now. And it's like, this is only going to get worse if she continues. And it's just like, I have lots of mommy guilt about like, is this too much to ask of a seven-year-old? Like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Um, We've had the same, the same debates and mm -hmm. um, we ultimately landed on it's, it's a good thing for her, especially because it's a small scrappy gym and you know, that's, she's going to have friends that are all the way up through high school. And that has a lot of benefits. Mm. Yeah. And just like, you know, gymnastics is a great sport for learning how to move your body in general. And those skills translate into all the other like sports or dance or martial arts or whatever else she wants to do. And we kind of have this like genetic, like hypermobility thing where like we're really flexible. And so that means I hurt myself all the time and I don't have a strong enough like muscle set to keep myself from injuring myself. But she has those genes. She's like extremely flexible. Um, So it's keeping her body in good condition and preventing injury by being so like muscular and coordinated so there's also just, that benefit. just wait for the the fitness uh, evaluations and stuff to start at school and it's great because the gymnasts just annihilate all the other kids yeah. oh yeah she loves beating all the other boys at pull-ups like she loves that nice. so then i also have a four-year-old she is our tiny little terrorist she's very good at like manipulating people to get what she wants but she's also a sweetheart She's doing a little bit of gymnastics and we're trying to decide she's kind of leaning towards going to the team route. And we're like, I don't know if we can do two of these. This seems like too much, but that's more us than her. 
um, and she does swimming and they're very opposite personalities. Uh, the, the older daughter is very like extremely empathetic to the point where like everything she watches on TV makes her cry um, because she's just like feels bad for whatever's happening on the screen. It's um, funny that very much happened once I'd had children. Now I can't watch anything. Oh, I know. Right? Oh, yeah. Yes. As parents, it just yes. ruins you forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any, and there's any... a lot of Disney in my life right now. So yeah. there's a lot of crying in the first 10 minutes of Disney films, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, I won't actually let her watch Bambi because, like, she watched something else where, like, a character died and it was not even that emotional. I'm like, okay, you can't handle Bambi. We're going to have to save that. And I don't think I can handle it either, but. I don't think I can handle Bambi. <laughs> Ugh, I started catching up on that British show called The Midwife, and I've been pretty into it. I, I like wouldn't let myself watch it while pregnant at all. <laughs> and watching it after having had a baby, too, is just this complete waterworks constantly. So hi, everybody. I'm Josh Pitts. I'm a Ruby and Rails developer. I live in Wisconsin with my husband and my daughter, Evelyn, who's age 10. That's fourth grade. We've moved around a lot over the last couple of years, like a lot. I think we've moved five times in six years, um, which is not what I ever attended um, when, <laughs> when we had a, a child. So I feel like I've spent a lot of time helping her develop a friend group at each school. We're um, about halfway through this school year, I'm, and it looks like we will miraculously be at the same school next year. So she's already told me she's very excited to make friends and then see them again after the summer. That's that's something very new to her, which sounds awesome. I guess personality-wise, she hangs out with me way too much. She's a complete nerd. We have uh, lots of discussions about Pokemon and Steven Universe and Teen Titans, and I don't even really watch two of those. <laughs> she's completely into them. She likes to make costumes of the different characters. I think she's going to be a cosplayer when she grows up. She's been watching lots of cosplay videos on YouTube, and she's fascinated that um, grown-ups make their own costumes and dress up, and she thinks that's really cool. That's so neat. Yeah, I'm kind of excited, too, because I would also like to dress up. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween is our absolute favorite. Her birthday is two weeks before Halloween, so every year we have to set a limit. She gets two costumes, one for her birthday, one for Halloween, and she usually like makes one or we help her make one. And she like she comes up with the concept. And then I and when I say I, I mean, Pinterest designs it and we have a good time. Like I said, she's 10. She is just beginning the adolescent puberty years. And that's absolutely terrifying for myself and my husband. We have a combined zero years of woman development experience. <laughs> I can't think of anything worse than like shopping for tampons with your two dads in Target. I feel so bad for her. Um, I'm trying to like really slyly like, honey, come over here. Do, do, you, need, do you need these? That's been a big, big <laughs> challenge for us. Amazon probably sells them, right? <laughs> yeah, they do. But then there's like, there, there was the bra discussion. Oh my gosh, yeah. the bra discussion. The bra, I mean, the bra discussion was like, she wants a she wanted to support. She's going to kill me. I can't believe I can't believe we were just talking like yesterday about like, are you comfortable sharing your child's name on the podcast? And now I'm like, let's talk about my daughter's bras. <laughs> <laughs> my four and eight year olds are obsessed with sports bras. Like all the girls on our street have them now and wear them. And it's like, you're four. Like, what do you need a bra for? I don't get it. Like, it's the new thing. 
do you think are there a lot of like mixed ages on your um on your street? Because we found that our daughter, she kind of learned from older girls and she wanted to emulate them. No, I think like mine is one of the oldest ones. Like they're they're not really like we live in a brand new development, so it's all like younger kids. There really aren't any other older girls. It's just like they all want to be grown up and they know that like bras are a grown up thing and they like they sell them for kids now. So these are the things that worry me about having a daughter. Like I felt super comfortable when my first was a son. I was like, okay, a boy with a daughter. I'm just like, I feel bad because I feel like I'm already projecting all of these like thoughts that I have about like mother daughter relationships and like how girls are and all of these things. Like it feels like you have to like deal with more stuff. But yeah, these are the things that I'm like, this is going to happen. We're going to have a little girl and these are going to be the same sorts of conversations. (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, like I have two and it like, there is all this like loaded stuff. And I don't know, like if guys feel the same way or is this just like I think like most of my friends like when they had boys it was like okay like we know how to do this and then girls is like oh my gosh like all this worry and concern I don't know well, I feel to a certain extent the patriarchy still has our back as a man <laughs> so there is that less of that natural worry but like I got one of each when people say girls are like this, boys are like this, I call bullshit because that's yeah. not been my experience, even in my very small sample set. We're just super careful about that stuff. Like, and I was not old enough, hopefully, yet to be doing that sort of stuff. But they're going through a phase right now where they're very into like boys do this and girls. They're trying to work out the world. And uh-huh. one of their main dividers is gender. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what that means or whether they're getting it from school or whatever. Like, but we, you know, correct the egregious stuff that comes out (laughs) my four-year-old is very concerned about like who's a boy and who's a girl right now and likes to point out people and i keep having this conversation of like gender is not just you know like boys and girls there's a lot of stuff going on and we have these kind of like conversations about like nuances and like does it really matter like does it matter if that person's a boy or a girl and she's still trying to like suss it out like she can't wrap her head around that so it's been this of like ongoing thing we've been trying to like work on they get so much like outside kind of knowledge about things and I tried to raise my girls to be very like gender neutral but they would bring home all this stuff and it's like who is teaching you this <laughs> yeah like my eldest when she came home one day she was like in like three and she came home from preschool and she'd always liked a lot of boy things she loved dinosaurs she loved trucks but then she liked a lot of really girly, you know, t- stereotypical things. And she came home one day and she's like, mom, my favorite colors are pink and purple. And I'm like, since when? Like, you've never liked pink or purple. And she said, well, girls like pink and purple and I'm a girl. So those are my favorite colors now. And I was just like, no. In the Victorian era, it was <laughs> dressed boys in pink, actually, young lady. Yeah. Uh, you can try that time. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, my, my son came home from preschool doing this, like, arm punch. Like, he would, like, punch his arms and go, macho, macho. And we were like, what? Like, where did he? Anyway, and so, you know, so then I was like, macho where did you you know like who's talking about macho he goes no mommy you can't say that girls can't say that and so we were like (laughs) you know so my husband and I were like okay now there's a conversation (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, they do. They pick up a lot of stuff from a lot of places. And you're I basically just... have one rule: like they can do what they like, but we're not going in the pink aisle at Toys R Us. <laughs> <laughs> that aisle is an abomination of color. That Barbie pink. Yeah. I was very proud of of my eleven uh, year old when she wanted to um, audition for Gaston in their school's. Uh, musical for <laughs> Beauty of the Beast. And I was like, you would be a fantastic guest on. You should go for that. <laughs> We've had to try to kind of relax about the gender thing as she's gotten a little older. I mean, when our daughter was maybe like two or three, like we had our all our NPR approved gender neutral toys. Um, you know, there was like, I don't know, like here's where you bake bread and here's like a mortar and pestle and like just very, very generic stuff. And she would gravitate towards some of the girly stuff. And my husband especially would freak out. He was just like, no, 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 no. And as she's gotten older, I think it's gotten okay. I think it's really hard to shield them from any kind of gendering, especially of toys as they get older and they go to school. It's other kids, really. That, that's the problem. It's all the other kids. We, all the we other kids. A... They're always the problem. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> they, they seriously are. <laughs> the problem with I have with gendered toys is like my daughter, like the almost eight-year-old, really wants an American Girl doll. And she hates dolls. Like she never plays with dolls. But all of her friends want one. And so she feels all this pressure to like be like them and to have a doll with them. But she does not like dolls. And she never has. And that's where it's like, okay, like I'm not going to spend a hundred and some dollars on this doll because you have all this peer pressure to get one and you're not going to get any joy from it. But at the same time, like I, like I feel for her because she wants to like fit in. For years, I threw away the American girl catalog when it arrived at our house. I mean, there's, there's dolls and there's basically adopting another child like (laughs) there there are haircuts and cafes and there's the delightful you have to buy all of the same stuff like we went through a phase where my daughter wanted the american girl doll and the american girl you know my daughter had a stroller the american girl doll has a stroller we have a crib the american girl has a crib and it's like i've just we just like doubled the amount of equipment we had to buy As I said, my name's Mandy. I also work from home. I do a lot of stuff with audio editing and podcasting. I run a couple of shows. Greater Than Code is one of them, and now I'll be helping to produce this one. I also do other podcasts as well, and I'm an operations manager for Cloud City Development. It's a San Francisco-based senior full-stack UX and UI design consultancy. I lovingly refer to my daughter as chicken because I had an emergency C-section. I was in the hospital for like 10 days before they took her out, and I basically told them, take her out. (laughs) And um, when she came out, she was obviously premature and they had her on her stomach, and I don't even know if that's like they change it every couple of the years back, stomach, side. I don't know, but that year, 2009, it was on the stomach. When I first saw her, I was like, oh my gosh, she looks like a little rotisserie chicken and just like curled up like a ball. And so I've just called her chicken ever since, and that's kind of like the safe name I give her rather than calling her by her real name on the internet because people are weird. Being a single mom is like so cool. But at the same time, it's so hard because she's like my best friend and like we get along so well, but sometimes I'm like such a pushover. Like she'll be like, mom, can I do this? And I'm like, I guess, whatever. And I'm like, 
maybe I should be a little bit more stern, but she's like, she really is so good. And like, I take her to conferences with me. And when we, we went to New York City this year, and it was during the solar eclipse, and that was a crazy time in Times Square. <laughs> I will never do that again. But she just is very adventurous. She loves Pokemon. She wants to be a YouTuber. Dan TDM is like her idol. He does like all these videos online and which are actually really friendly if your child's into those kind of things because he doesn't swear. He's not crass or gross or anything. He's just a really cool guy who really likes Minecraft and Roblox and that kind of stuff. And so that's what she does. And then, yeah, she does gymnastics, but she's not very into it. I mean, we only do two hours a week. So she's not like super into it, but she likes to do it. And I, I like that she likes to do it and it gives her activities. She was a Girl Scout, but the troop that she was in last year, she wasn't very happy with. So we decided to sit this year out until I can find maybe a better troop for her to be in. So at least that alleviates me of my cookie mom responsibilities this season. I asked uh, my son, after you mentioned that uh, your daughter liked Dan TDM, I asked my son if, if he knew him. He's like, oh yeah, I know him. Yeah. I was curious how you found, how, how do you manage the, the YouTube watching with her? Because that's something that I, I definitely have to deal with a lot. I I am also struggling with the YouTubes. I, I think I figured it out, actually. I have to admit that I am pretty open with her and I, I we have a conversations a lot and I'd be like, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. And if you feel uncomfortable watching something, that probably means that you shouldn't be watching it. And usually I'm right there with her. Like she doesn't take it into her bedroom at night by herself or anything. So usually I'm, I'm around and she sits next to me. So every now and then I'll glance over and look at what she's watching and making sure it's not like the one video where I did catch her watching My Little Ponies murdering each other. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> and I was like, no, we do not watch My Little Ponies murdering each other. Like, that's not okay. That's violence. We don't do violence. So maybe I do it too much, but I trust her to make the right decisions. And if she screws up and then I tell her and she usually doesn't do it again. But I don't know. I'm curious as to what your solution was, Johnny. Yeah, um, so I guess I can just kind of ease into my uh, my turn here. Um, Johnny Austin, uh, I work uh, at Mount Box in D.C. as an engineering manager. Um, I have a 10-year-old son, Asa, and a 3-year-old, Judah. So Asa is, um, he's the introvert, definitely. He's very much into, like, you know, video games and Minecraft and all this other stuff, you know, and we were just talking about YouTube and the thing that sort of forced me to kind of like address this problem is, is because that's what he watches, right? Like forget about TV. We don't even have cable, right? We just do everything over the internet. We have like Verizon gigabit service. And so everything is like streamed. Um, and so he like watches this one channel in particular where he just watches a guy like play video games. Right. And at first it was kind of weird, but then it was like, well, sometimes I watch people program. So I guess it's not that weird. And so it became very uh, apparent to me that, you know, I had to I had to find a way to like not monitor, but at least lock this down because I'm not around all the time. You know, sometimes I'm working from home or in the evening or whatever. Um, so I had to go down this very complicated road of like users and permissions and stuff like that. So to kind of give you an idea of like how all this stuff is set up, we have an NVIDIA shield. I don't know if anyone 
you know, has any of these devices, they're basically just like Android TVs, right? You just plug them into your TV and you have like the Android TV um, going. And so obviously have like YouTube apps and all that other stuff, which is cool because they can download games and like watch YouTube and all this other stuff. But, you know, YouTube is like, has like just filth and all kind of adult stuff that obviously I don't want my 10 year old watching. So what I had to do was I had to go and create a Google account, uh, especially for him, and you can age restrict it. So Google essentially won't allow any inappropriate content to sort of come their way. And on top of that, the shield itself has age restrictions. You can do a restricted profile where you can only allow certain apps to be launched. Um, you can, it has an extra layer of configuration for like YouTube content. And so all of these things combined allow me to just sort of like let him go on like YouTube and just watch whatever. And I'm reasonably confident that like nothing crazy is going to like come on the screen or anything like that. To my knowledge, it's been, uh, pretty effective up to this point. So we'll have to see how that uh, works out in the future. But it's a little bit different now because I've just had to get him his own computer because he wants to learn how to code. And so first we tried like the Chromebooks, um, but a lot of the times the stuff that he's trying to do with like video games or whatever, they aren't powerful enough to actually run that stuff. And so they crash all the time. So I had to like break down and give him like my old MacBook Pro. And so now I'm kind of nervous about that because he has almost unfettered access to the Internet. So I'll probably be taking that soon and installing some nifty monitoring devices. Not that I necessarily feel like I need to monitor everything he does, but I mean, it's there if I need it. Right. So that's kind of where I am with that. My three-year-old is the complete opposite. He's the only extrovert in the house. He's a madman. He broke his arm last year jumping off the couch at like daycare. When the door rings, like he runs to the door to make sure like, you know, he can introduce himself. He's the first one to do it when they walk in the house. Like it's it's very nerve wracking that um, he's that friendly, you know, on the on the light side. You know, he's a very friendly guy. Um, he speaks to everyone. Um, he always has something to talk about. And uh, it's, it's actually v- very frightening at this point. So I don't know if anyone has any advice for that. So I find the the monitoring of the online content to be interesting. I'm torn on whether or not it's a, you know, lock everything down. Uh, You know, I I used to joke about, should we set up some sort of logging and monitoring? You know, as developers, we tend to be a little smarter around the computers than than a lot of folks. And like, I kind of want to set that up, but not tell the kids (laughs) and wait and wait until something gets gets serious. Or do I just be upfront about locking it down? And we've tried really hard to give them the choice, kind of like Mandy was doing. Like, hey, you have the choice and we want to have the discussion and we want to talk about it. But I'm also not letting them go take a computer and watch, you know, (laughs) anything they can find online. Yeah. by themselves yeah. unmonitored you know we we poke over their shoulder and take a look and make sure but yeah the, the approach i've taken is um i forget the name of the software i'll have to drop it in the show notes or something like that but by default it, it's pretty open um it has like a blanketing permission thing where it's like oh okay you know anything over 13 sort of deal then you know throttle that back but unless I have like a need to actually target specific sites that I know he's visiting, then I'll like go and like blacklist that stuff. But honestly, I haven't had to do that up to this point. Um, I told him like when I first like gave him access, I was like, look, I'm, I'm watching you <laughs> to some extent. I mean, I, I see merits in the other 
point where it's like you just give them access and then you only actually throttle back when you need to um, and not let them know. But I guess I was too chicken to do it. <laughs> so I just let them know, look, I'm, I'm watching exactly what you're doing. Um, so don't do anything you're not supposed to. And like someone mentioned earlier, like, you know, they have a conscience. They know they're old enough at that age to know when they're not supposed to be viewing something and when something is absolutely appropriate. So it hasn't been an issue up to now. So I'm thinking like maybe I can even scale back some. I think at most ages, kids have a conscience, you know, like they sort of know when something is is right or wrong. I mean, even, yeah, just uh, Johnny, I don't know if you're if your three year old is the same way, but like, like if he does something wrong, he like, no, you know, he like knows that it's like yeah. not cool. You know, oh, yeah. you he reacts different face. ways to that. Yeah, he sees their face or he'll like. You know, he'll he'll often actually like turn away from me and go, don't talk to me. I don't want you to talk to me. And it's like, is it because you know that you did something that you weren't supposed to do? And we're going to have a conversation about it. Yeah. So that's I think that's also interesting, like how much kids I don't know if other folks agree or disagree, but I was I just going to say that I'm reading a really interesting book called The Righteous Mind at the moment, which is talking about how even at very, very young ages, humans have a ability to judge other humans being nice or not nice to each other. So like that idea of a conscience being something that a three-year-old has is uh, definitely moral psychologists would tend to agree with you. Now what to do with that? <laughs> yeah, with that, a lot of times curiosity, uh, you know, drives them more and you walk into the room, they're doing something when it gets too quiet, when you have young children, it gets too quiet, <laughs> oh, yeah. get something's up uh-huh. and they, 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 they probably know, and that's why it's so quiet. They're probably, they probably know they should be doing it. So they do it quietly Yeah, and you walk in and startle them and they super startled. It's the funniest thing to see a three or four year old just jump because they know they probably shouldn't be emptying it out the, all the lotion from this bottle onto the carpet or something. <laughs> but look how cool it is and squishy. Four, four different yeah. colored paints on our exactly. carpet. If you wish to. <laughs> yeah. Like I've had this problem with my four-year-old watching YouTube. There's a lot of like cartoons that she likes on there, but then she finds a stuff and it's like targeted to kids, but it's not good. It's like cartoons made by bots or something like it doesn't make any sense and it's like ripping off different trademarks or it's like the unboxing or unwrapping videos that have like no benefit to anybody it's all this like weird stuff that I don't really want her to watch but it's it's not like out of her age group or anything it's just not good stuff like at least with like cartoons there's like you're learning about a story or you know like how to tell a story or you're learning about you know, building up characters or they're like, there's something of value in there. And a lot of this is just junk. And so we started having conversations about like, what is junk and what is not junk? Like, what are things that like are higher quality that we should be watching or stuff that we can learn from versus just like, it's basically like glorified commercials and they love it. And so like, it's been really hard to try and have this conversation with a four-year-old, but it's been really like a frustrating thing for us. We've also been dealing with that. There's so much content on YouTube that I know as a platform, they've been struggling with people put out this content, especially because kids click on it and watch it and hey, free views for us. So we, we've also been having the conversation with our daughter about what is not so much, I don't want to say like good, but what's like, what's quality content? What is, <laughs> and it sounds, it sounds so like, you know, advertisery, I know, but 
you know, the show you're watching. I don't want to say are you learning something from it because I don't want to be that parent that's like, you know, only education toys and only educational shows. I'm that um, parent. When my son watches something, like, and usually actually we let him watch a little TV in the morning while I sleep because I don't like mornings. And like when I wake up, I always go, so what show did you watch and what did you learn? <laughs> but it like, it's mostly because it makes me feel better as a parent who goes back to sleep once their child is awake than anything else. Oh, I do it too. <laughs> yeah. As a child that grew up watching like another world in general hospital over my mom's shoulder, like I totally, I thought Erica Kane was quality content growing up and I know now I'm wrong. I think, I think it's just important for them to, to develop that literacy about what they're watching and to understand. I mean, this is really advanced stuff yeah. for a four year old, but my daughter's 10 and I've been trying to instill in her the idea that you're making a choice as to what you're going to spend your free time on. And I think that goes hand in hand with the idea that we struggle very hard, not so much with the content that she watches, but how much content she consumes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when she has less time to watch content and watch television or movies, she makes better choices about what she's going to watch. So I've I've found uh, some pretty good success in finding YouTube channels and then I'm putting that on the TV and driving, driving folks there. And so when the kids are watching, uh, we'll switch to SciShow kids or smarter every day, or, you know, one of the other, you know, often the edutainment type things, but you know, it's good, high quality content. It's interesting. I like watching it. So that's kind of a good win. Uh, and then every once in a while I hear my kids come home and they're like, Oh, we watched that video you made us watch in school. And I had already seen it. So I knew about it, but I found that as a, as a good kind of alternative of, Instead of don't watch this, let's instead watch this. And if it's actually fun to watch, it, it's a pretty good win. Another good technique would be um, just disabling search in YouTube um, if your kids have access to it. Um, and then at that point, you know, if you s- set a precedent of really good content, you know, watch some stuff, you know, subscribe them to some stuff. Um, at that point, Google's uh, algorithms just sort of take over and it'll always show them like related content. Um, it's not foolproof. There's still some stuff that, you know, is slightly unsavory that can sneak in there. But I've found that just disabling search so they can't just roam freely on the internet and establishing good content in the beginning um, helps a lot. So I've actually had problems with that because she'll watch something, we'll like give her an iPad that has a show on it and it's on YouTube. And when she's done watching, she uses like the next like recommended list to like jump into different stuff. And she's really good at like, she'll pick something on that list and then that leads to something else and that leads to something else. And then we come back and she's watching this like random weird thing. And we're like, how did this happen? We've had that yeah. happen can before. lead you down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm like, where, how did you get here? And what, what no, off, no, not parent approved. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely not foolproof. And, you know, to be honest, it takes a while to establish that. We're not talking like, let me watch three videos and do this. It probably takes like months and months of like curating a thing to make it work right. But, and I don't even know if it's worth it at that point. Literally your kids are aging while you're trying to tune YouTube. <laughs> but like someone was saying earlier, like limited time, curating good content, you know, it, it helps. I just like to force mine to watch Moana over and over again because <laughs> I like it. My son decided that Moana is too old for him. I turned it on for him one day and like a couple minutes and he goes, Mama, this is too old for me. I cannot watch this yet. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> I guess we'll turn fine. it off. <laughs> the songs are terrific. <laughs> so hi, everyone. I'm Kei I have been a parent now for five months with this baby boy. And one of the things I 
continue to be astounded by is, uh, you know, like before becoming a parent, I, you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, being a parent is really hard. And now I'm like, oh, that covers like so many things. <laughs> There's so many ways in which it is hard and awesome, but also hard and awesome again and also hard again. The, the thing that's top of mind for me right now is that I am going back to work on Monday and it's with a team offsite across the country. So it is both going back to work and also being away overnight for several nights in a row. And people keep saying like, oh, it's great. Like you'll be able to catch up on sleep while you're gone. And I'm like, yes, maybe. Or I'll just stay awake in bed, like looking at photos of my baby (laughs) instead. Don't really know how that's going to go. So if people have advice for that particular transition, I'm all ears right now. I would say try to enjoy little moments. Like I had to force myself to enjoy like eating at a slower pace or like having a cup of decaf coffee that was like, you know, still hot when I finished drinking it. Like there were just like really tiny things that I like forced myself to enjoy. Yeah, that definitely sounds like good advice. I was was at an offsite once and a bunch of us went out for dinner and they said, um, oh, it's going to be about a 90 minute wait for a table. And all my coworkers were like, oh, and I was like, I don't have my daughter with me. That sounds amazing. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's wait 90 minutes for a table. And then it was like two hours. I'm like, I don't care. This is great. I mean, I always joke that like, even if the plane is grounded, I could just be in the airport. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. But yeah, you are like, pumping. Yeah. <laughs> you, you do have the, when you're a woman and you're, you know, trying to nurse for the year or whatever, like you have the extra, you know, you have sort of like the extra stress of like still having to like pump and be like 90 minutes, but then I only have 30 minutes before I have to find a place to pump and like, where am I going to, and what's refrigerator, what's not, and how many hours will it be before I can get back to my room where there is a refrigerator and at what level is that refrigeration? And like, there's all- And then you like, you go past the amount of time that you should have pumped and then you end up with a wet shirt because you've leaked all over the place. That That's a really fun thing to do at work. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say, Allison, I feel like you'd be really proud of me because I have like a like a, a, a doc that I've been making. It's like multiple different parts with bullets of supplies and backup supplies and backups for my backups and like a detailed schedule based on my flight itinerary with this layover. Like I picked the layover airport because I was researching which places have uh, nursing pods that seem like they'll be close to the gates, you know, and I'm like, okay, if we do get grounded, like I have the electric pump and then the hand pump and then the other hand pump in case all goes out. Cause I, I was explaining to a friend too, uh, in terms of um, somebody earlier was saying, Oh, I think when we were talking about gymnastics, someone was saying, Oh, this is yet another new subject in which I have to learn all this stuff about. And I feel like I keep going through that where some new topic comes up and I have to give myself this crash PhD course in like, oh, this is how baby sleep works. And I didn't even know that there was all this stuff that I didn't know about this topic before. And with breastfeeding and pumping, the extent to which it's like, well, okay, for my own personal health, I need to keep up with this so I don't develop an infection and get really sick while I'm away on this team offsite. Ugh, so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's yeah. just parenting in a nutshell, right? It's just, <laughs> it's, I, oh man, every time I think we have it down, like, gets older and (laughs) learn all these new stuff (laughs) it's a thing that i think is interesting with the intersection with our works because i'd always characterize my job as you know being really about my capacity for learning constantly like stuff changes and then we have to learn about it and 
I guess, by the way, I'm, I'm a Ruby developer that works remotely for Heroku. And like one of my things that I'm concerned about, we'll see how it plays out, is in going back to work. Hopefully, my learning capacity has increased a little bit, even though I'm concerned as well about my concentration capacity having decreased with being interrupted by childcare things constantly. But it's like, if I have to learn all this stuff for parenting, you know, if, if it's zero sum at all, what do I need to worry about how much is leftover learning ability for stuff I can take in for work-related topics, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, for, for me and uh, Sarah May talks about this a bunch also, like I actually felt like my brain sort of changed a little bit. And then Sarah talks about how her brain chemistry changed a bit too after she had uh, I think her first child. But yeah, I found that the techniques that I used to learn before having a child did not work for me once I went back. And I was terrified. I've always worked remotely as a developer, you know, which meant that I could just like cry in front of my computer freely for hours, which is great. But I was like, <laughs> oh, until I sort of rejiggered and figured out like, okay, now this is what works for me in terms of learning style and how much I can learn, et cetera, et cetera. I was totally panicked that I would never be able to learn again. Um, and I was a career switcher into the industry. So I was like, that's it. I've had my year as a developer and I'm never going to be able to learn anything again. And I'm going to have to leave the industry. <laughs> and like, it was a great year, folks. I'll catch you later. You know? Yeah, I had a similar problem coming back. Mental load is like a huge deal for me. It's like with child care and health and all this stuff, there's just like a million things you need to keep track of. And I couldn't wrap my brain around all of it and do work and everything else. So trying to eliminate as many decisions that I had to make helped a lot. So like I work from home now, so I don't care about what I wear. Like it's one less thing I have to think about. I just put on like my sweatsuit uniform to like go into my office to work and trying to like cut down as much as I can on like all the other stuff so I can focus on the things that are important. So like I don't put makeup on anymore because I don't care. And I have so many other things that are more important to do. So like prioritizing, simplifying and cutting out unnecessary decisions. Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm definitely using much more of a technique of like how the urgent, important prioritization thing, like if this is not that urgent, then I will think about this like, oh, like I'll make a calendar reminder to myself that's like, solve this problem at this date in the future instead. <laughs> and I don't have the energy to think about that right now. So I'd, I'd always admire the parents that I'd worked with for their prioritization skills. And so there's that benefit to look forward to, I think. Well, and I think that that's also where, um, Mandy, I don't know if you want to talk about this, where like having a partner is like makes a big deal because there are, you know, I, I do think, yeah, there is a lot of a lot of mental load. And, you know, my husband and I have talked before about how like I do take on more of that mental load than he does just in terms of like keeping track of lots of stuff. But there are things that I'll like, you know, I'll text him or, you know, he'll be like, this is a thing that I thought about. I do not want to think about it. I'm putting it on your plate. Just like run with it or, do, you know, like this doesn't have to be in my court. Um, and so, you know, and we've, we've talked about how, you know, like really trying to get me to offload more of those things so that we're trying to carry a more equal mental load. But I think that that's where like anytime that you have any sort of partner in parenting, it's it's nice because when you're when you're a single parent, like you don't have anyone that you can you can't really offload that that mental load to anyone else. Like it's all you. 
it's a blessing and a curse because I often, you know, kind of consider myself lucky that I don't have to deal with somebody else's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, like I can see the value and like, I think to myself, like it must be nice to have somebody to help you. I call it, I, I, I liken it to the spoon theory, except I'm more vulgar about it. I call them my F's to give And, like, in the morning, I start out with, like, maybe five or ten Fs. And then, like, as they go on, something happens at work, and, like, one of those goes away. So by, like, seven, eight o'clock, I'm entirely out of Fs to give. And I'm just like, I'm done. I'll start over tomorrow. I'm going to have myself a glass of wine and watch The Bachelor. I love that. That's awesome. Fs to give. (laughs) So true. You can make that one word. Well, and, and, and my daughter knows, like, she'll be like, mommy, are you, are you running out of cares? And I'm like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> she, I call them cares to her. She's so perceptive. Like sometimes I'm like, oh my God, are you my kid or my therapist? She's like, you look upset. You should sit down. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's a good that's idea. It is. And I'm like, I don't know how I hit the jackpot with that one, but having a partner, I mean, I've had boyfriends and I've let two of them live with us over the past eight years, but it's not the same because it's not their kid. They're always like, should I step in or shouldn't I step in? And then if they do step in, I'm like, you shouldn't have stepped in. And <laughs> it's like, Nav, it's like, okay, this is my kid. Wait, why are you disciplining my kid? Oh, wait. Oh God, no. Like just stop but then I'm like why don't you ever help and yeah it's a mess it's like criticizing your partner's parents right like if your partner like criticizes your parent it's like no you you don't but then you need to sit here and listen to me complain about my mother for 10 minutes oh my god I would love to do I would both love and like want to stay so far away from doing like an in-law episode <laughs> oh my god no. oh I don't care I can just tell you all the horror stories because those guys are no longer in my life <laughs> yeah. You're like the only one that could like just speak freely about it. <laughs> the, the rest of us are like, how about new? No? <laughs> Not worth it. <laughs> so I'm uh, JC Avena. I've uh, been doing some Rails dev now for multiple years. And at the moment, I'm working on some front end stuff as well, learning that. Uh, and I'm enjoying it. I love what I do. So I'm lucky in that sense that I can make a decent living, I guess, and raise my, my kids and my family and uh, like like my job. So it's, it's been great. I knew that I wanted to be a computer science person since I was about nine or 10. So that worked out. Uh, I've been married for almost 20 years. I have four kids, or we have four kids, I guess. She did all the work. Uh, 17, 14, and 11-year-old boys and an eight-year-old daughter, and she is my favorite daughter, and she knows it. So, so we divide and conquer a lot. We have to because we have four kids. Uh, and for a long time, they were doing different things at different times or even at the same time on the same day at different locations. So we had to – you pick up and I'll drop off and then I'll go over there and you do that. So as, as they've gotten older, it got worse. And then but once the older one could start driving, it got a lot better. And the older ones, they're in high school and they play sports together in high school. And that's been – a huge blessing because it saved up, it freed up a lot of time for us. And them having a car and the the bad thing is we don't get to have our little uh, five, 10 minute conversations in the car in the morning. 
anymore. I sometimes we don't see them all day, but it's freed us a lot of time for the other ones, the younger ones. So, uh, and Mandy, I'm sorry to say, but we do violence in my in, at our house because my boys play football, and they and right now they're wrestling. There is violence there, but it's uh, it's a good focused, I guess. If you want to call it that, oh, I th- I'm all in for wrestling. I watch wrestling all the time. WWE is my jam. <laughs> this is a little different, high school wrestling, but yes. <laughs> no, I mean violence like blood and guts and gore and people killing off My Little Ponies. Yeah, because that doesn't sound like friendship is magic very much, right there. It wasn't magic. No, but anyway, so yeah, they played they play football and now they uh, they're wrestling and. They'll start football again after that, and you know, so it's it's crazy. It just goes fast. Uh, like I said, my oldest is seventeen already. He's a junior. Um, we expect he probably won't be home past his senior year very much, and so that's not a lot of time. It just flies by. So enjoy it while you have it. My uh, younger ones are taking piano, and my daughter also takes judo lessons, and she uh, is playing basketball right now, her third season. And my son plays flag football. He's done that since first grade, I think, or second grade. In the fall, so they stay busy. Uh, my teenagers are into you know video games and sports and dank memes on their phones and uh, pop culture references, etc. That they can annoy their teachers with. I think I think it's our fault because we teach them all the stuff that we thought was cool when we were younger in the late '80s and '90s. And so they bring that up with their teachers, a lot of whom are their parents' ages, and uh, <laughs> probably have a lot of nightmares come resurfacing. We are currently selling cookies for Girl Scouts, if anyone's interested. Oh, <laughs> I have. Daughter, since my daughter is doing that. No, I just thought it was I, funny because, yeah, that, that whole thing is going on right now. And it's it's always crazy. We just got the note about picking up our forms if we want to sell. And I've I've I'm so conflicted. Oh, so <laughs> conflicted. Yeah, it's I like it. Uh, I take my daughter around the neighborhood when it's not freezing. Right now we're freezing. But when it warms up a little bit more, I'll take her around and she'll. You know, I like taking her out. We know our neighbors. We've been in the same neighborhood for 14 years, I think. So they kind of expect her to come by now and and they'll buy some cookies and she gets to talk to them and, and do a little sales and, and just, you know, be a little more outgoing. And and uh, she's not shy at all, so it helps. But at the same time, she's not one to go up and just talk to complete strangers. So it helps to, to take her around and, and do that. So that's fun. So anyway, our, our lives are consumed right now, by it seems like, by our children, but we've had kids at home for 17 years, and we probably have about 10 years left of that. So time just flies, and, and as we get older and, and their interests change, like I think Johnny said, they age while you're curating the list at YouTube. That's so true. It's going to be interesting to see where life takes them and what we can do and to continue to be part of it. That's kind of our, our fear as parents, I think. It's like we're raising them to be into, hopefully independent assertive, uh, you know, good people. And we hope that they'll want us to, to be part of that as they grow up to, and they get older. And we don't live around family. So it's, uh, you know, one of those things you, you wonder if they'll want to live around family or not. So just cool, depressing thoughts you can have when you're getting a little bit older, when your kids are growing up. So it's good times. I do have a, a one of the pet names for my daughter is uh, I just call her Monkey, and the reason I do that is because not because she looks like a monkey or anything, but it's because she used to call uh, Curious George Monkey the George, and so that was always <laughs> to me that was always really funny and and I loved it and I remember when she finally grew out of it I was really really sad, but Monkey the George was amazing and she'd be looking at the book and I, and she couldn't read yet and I'm like, what are you doing? And she'd just be sitting there I'm like, oh I'm reading Monkey the George. 
So and monkey I, the surgeon. I call her monkey for that. In our house, in our house, uh, Percy is Percy the Thomas. <laughs> it's another one of those. Yeah. So it's funny. It's it's great when they can speak and they still don't see the world the way adults see it because they can just they have these insights and these how they perceive the world is completely different and it's really cool. So it's it's fun ages when they're when they're coming, you know, when they're little, they're coming up and uh picking up on on things like that. I always thought it was funny when um my ten year old was a little bit younger. He um he didn't like do the shorthand reference names for stuff or aliases. It was like literally the thing. So for instance, like I'm a big fan of Superman. And so when Man of Steel was coming out and I'd be like, Hey Ace, you ready to go see Man uh Superman? He's like, Do you mean Man of Steel? And I was like, Yeah, I do, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Or when uh, Batman versus Superman came out, I was like, oh, you want to go see Batman versus Superman? He was like, do you mean Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice? And I was like, well, yeah, of course I do, but. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we canceled cable. You said you didn't have cable anymore. We haven't had it for years, and I think most of us probably don't. Um, but we canceled it a long time ago, mostly because it was just a waste of money. But um, yeah. I remember my oldest, He was when he was young, he was probably five or six. He came in and, and said, "Hey, I need this and that. I need, I, you know, I need you to buy this for me and and this and that. And each is sold separately. And so that was a, a clue right there when it says each sold separately. And I know where you got that from. So it's not watching commercials has been uh, it's a huge difference in our home about the, how needy the kids can be about things uh, when TV is not around with commercials. I'm Chris. Uh, I have two little ones, uh, eleven and nine. Uh, the nine-year-old, uh, my son, is big into uh, Minecraft. He he says when he grows up, he wants to be a developer. And I was like, okay, well, you can do that. We need to start working on on coding. And one of my original plans to convert him to doing that was was playing Minecraft. Uh, so I we got him into playing Minecraft. In fact, actually plays online with uh, JC and and his kids. It's a lot of fun to play in that kind of world. Teach him how some social skills. You know, now now he's very in tune when his friends friends are griefing him in games and giving him a hard time or breaking the stuff he's trying to build. How annoying it is, um, <laughs> and and he gets it because he's been playing with grownups that actually pay attention and care. And then the my older one, the eleven year old, uh, she's the gymnast. She just just qualified mid season to move up a level, which is a which is a big deal when you're when you're a gymnast. And just moved out of the compulsory standardized routines that everyone has to learn with that mind-numbingly repetitive music that every every competitor has to their own optional. So she had a choreographer. Um, we had to pay for a choreographer and, and made up their own routines. And so that, that's been a lot of fun with, with her. Um, other stuff is I, I live uh, D.C. area. My wife and I both work full-time. And I work at... Uh, I guess it's not really a startup anymore, um, but a small company uh, just in Georgetown uh, called Radius Networks. Well, there we have it, folks. This has been our first episode of Parent-Driven Development. I know this episode went a little bit long, but that's because all of us coordinated to come together so we could all record at the same time and do our intros and give you some information about our backgrounds and stuff like that. So in the future, we're going to be planning on doing more topic-related things like remote working, and I think we're going to do an episode on 
parenting multiples and maybe have a guest on for that one. So we hope you liked the first episode. If you did, make sure you're, you're following us at Parent Driven Dev on Twitter. And you can email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com. We will be back again soon.